How many of you guys are feeling strong and courageous this morning? Anybody? Remember, it doesn't matter what you feel. No, I'm just kidding around. It's cool. I had a good time with you guys last night. Uh, we're just going to jump back into God's Word this morning and kind of kind of keep on. And you know, we could uh, we could look at Captain America's quote last night. Uh, you know, it's this isn't uh, freedom. This is fear. And um, from yep, there he is again. And we could look at it and we just go, yeah, like let's get charged up and let's go out there and and live that life because God is with us, as we talked about last night. And uh, so let's be strong and courageous and let's live in obedience and let's meditate on God's word. And yet, uh, it's easy to talk about that, but I'm going to throw up a Spider-Man quote um, because, I don't know, instead of, uh, instead of the Captain America quote, no man can win every battle, but no man should fail without a struggle. You know, Captain America is kind of that like, yeah, let's go out and let's be strong and courageous and and kind of that rah-rah cheerleader guy, right? He's always super positive. But the reality of it is, um, is we don't always feel strong and courageous, and we don't win every battle. How many of you guys have lost some battles maybe in the past few years, right? We don't, we don't win every battle on our own, certainly. And, and I think there's uh, somehow in America in the 21st century, we like feel like we're entitled to winning every battle. We're, we feel like we're entitled to maybe an easy life, and sometimes maybe we give our life to the Lord and and we maybe feel the same way, that you can hear a message like last night and think, yeah, be strong and courageous. Like, oh, I'm in. And then a battle hits and maybe you lose the battle and a trial comes and a struggle comes and, and that's when people start to doubt their faith because they're like, wait a minute, I thought things were supposed to be easy. You can pull down Spider-Man for a moment and uh, 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 Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, um, but you can turn there if you want, is, is a verse that I'm, I'm sure most of you have heard before. These couple of verses, are, they're, I, would, I don't know if have a life verse, I kind of like the whole Bible, but man, this, this verse, like if you were just to choose to live your life on, it's, it's powerful, it's a promise. Um, and I love Proverbs. Um, I read them several times a week because um, I need wisdom <laughs> like every day. And I just keep reading the same things over and over again and, and uh, in Proverbs. And it's a great place if you're like, I don't know where to dig in in the Old Testament. Just, I mean, sometimes if it's, uh, I don't know, March 19th, I just open it, I read Proverbs 19. I mean, it's just, just wisdom. Uh, you can't really take it out of context. It is what it is. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Or in some versions or translations in English, it will say it'll make your, uh, your paths straight, or straight your paths. And... So we read a verse like that, and a big question is, okay, so if I place my trust in the Lord, if I don't lean on my own understanding, if I acknowledge Him in all my ways, what does it mean to have straight paths? Because I think some people come to the faith and they understand who Christ is, and they start following Him, and we think straight paths means easy paths. But those of you who have been following Christ for a while, would you say that's true? No, probably not. Or Matthew 6.33 says, to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Great, I just seek God and I get whatever I want. You just rub the lamp and he pops out and, you know, there it is. And, and so sometimes I think we get this false sense of what it means to just go out and live strong and courageous lives. And so today I want to talk about this Spider-Man quote that there's going to be battles that we lose and that it's not going to be easy because I think that's what Jesus taught over and over again. And if I were to look at the superheroes of the Bible, I'd say, man, these are guys that sought first the kingdom. 
These are guys that trust in the Lord maybe with all their heart, lean not on the understanding, all those things. But I look at them. John the Baptist, they chopped his head off. Abel, murdered by his brother. Paul was beaten and killed. Jeremiah was thrown into a muddy pit. Daniel was fed to the lions. Job lost everything. Joseph thrown in a pit and sold into slavery by your brothers. Ezekiel's wife died. And even Jesus Christ himself was beat and tortured and killed. But wait, trust the Lord with all your heart. Well, apparently straight paths doesn't mean what I think it means. And that's what I want to talk about today because I think some of you, and a lot of times you come up to a place like Hume Lake and you can experience the beauty of just looking out on that lake. You can sit here in chapel. You can sing these songs and you can be stirred to going back and doing something, but you get home and your paths don't seem straight and you just don't know what to do when that happens. But I think we have to go into it with the perspective of what straight paths truly are. And I think a lot of Christians get mixed up that uh, there's a difference between better and easier. Because the more I live my life, I actually realize that the things that are better in life, the things that are better for me and better for others, are actually the harder things. Would you agree with me? That sometimes it's the pain that we endure, it's the trials we go through that bring apart those things, and yet we live in a society where the easier something is, it's like we think it's better. The quicker it is, right? The more convenient, I mean, the convenience we have now that we can just control everything from our phone. It's like, man, you can start your phone, your car from the phone. You could like start your coffee from the phone. I don't know. You could probably drop bombs from your phone. Like you can do everything from sitting on your recliner and things have got so easy. You know, we grew up in this like microwave generation. We don't have to put things in the stove and the oven. You just put it in there for a couple minutes. But is it always better when you put in steak in the microwave? Is it better? It tastes like rubber for crying out loud. You know, easier doesn't always mean better. I like a good cup of coffee, kind of a coffee snob. We got any coffee snobs in here? How many of you would drink lukewarm gas station coffee and you don't give a rip? Okay, we're not friends. Um, You know, and then it come out of this thing called the Keurig. All you do is get this little plastic thing with a bunch of chemicals in it and stuff it in there and push a button and voila, you have the world's crappiest cup of coffee, right? So we, we do this. It's like, man, I got a bean grinder in my house and I got a French press and different things because I love the aroma of coffee. Like, but sometimes it's harder. You got to rinse out a filter afterwards for crying out loud. It's tough life making real coffee. But isn't it funny how we get better and easier? We think, well, if it gets easier and easier and easier, then it must mean that it's better for me and it's ingrained in our culture. But if we think to trust in the Lord with all your heart and all that means that it's going to be easier and more convenient, then we will believe that God's going to fail us. And I think that's a problem. How many of you married in here? Okay. Marriages can be hard, right? Yeah, amen. Standing ovation for that one. Marriage can be amazing. But the more work you put in that marriage, it's probably going to be pretty good. The more you give it yourself, the more you love her, the more you love her like Christ loved the church and he got beat up and died, the marriage becomes better. You sit back and you want her to serve you and that's all it's going to be about. Guess what? Your marriage is going to suck. Better doesn't always mean easier. How many have kids? Is that always easy, raising kids? If your kid's here, I know it's the first time your kid's ever probably heard it, right? Sometimes it can be difficult. Your mother felt the same way, and so did your dad. 
Some of us were probably harder to raise in here than others by the looks of the crowd, right? But I'll tell you, you put in the work and you discipline them from a young age and you're consistent and you love them and you raise them in the church and you guide them and direct them towards truth and you put in the hard work. Once in a while, the kids are going to be better. It may not be easier. I moved our business from California to Wyoming, as I said, uh, about four, three or four years ago. It was a couple years where... Like I was moving a business, I was building a manufacturing facility, we're having to hire over 100 people in a short period of time. I was moving my teenage kids that didn't want to move from California to Wyoming. I built a house for some stupid reason. I planted a church for even a weirder reason and did all this stuff. And it was a difficult period of time in my life. First world problems, all awesome stuff, but it was hard. But I'll tell you what, I would never go back and do it again because I don't have the energy to do it again. But if I was to go back four years, I, I would do that again. Because sometimes the hardest things to do are the best things to do. Sure, for our business, it was great. For our family, it's great. For planning this church, it's great. And you can look back on it, but in the midst of the trials and the suffering, it's hard to really see that kind of stuff, isn't it? You're putting in the hard work in your marriage. It's hard to see what comes out on the other end. Your child's walking away from the Lord and maybe making tough decisions. It's hard to see what happens. And yet, as men, we're called to put in the hard work, and we may not win every battle. But if we trust in the Lord, it will be better. But not maybe better in our own eyes for that convenience sake and those different things, but it will be better. That's why some of us, like we, we like doing, I don't know, some, some of us like, we like doing hard things as men sometimes, don't we? A lot of times we, we do go towards the convenience, but there's times where we do hard things. Like you work on your truck in the garage instead of taking it in, and maybe it's not just because you don't want to save the money, but you like turning a wrench, but in the middle of it, you go, why am I doing this? But at the end, when you fix it on your own, what? It makes you feel like a man, doesn't it? I had that happen once in my life. I was able to fix something by myself without asking somebody. I know it feels really good. That's why I like hunting. I like going and chasing my meat in the wilds, and sometimes it's really hard. I've been lost. I've broken an ankle. I've been snowed in in tents for days. I've packed it. I've shot animals way too far in and had to pack things like elk and moose way too far out and all those kind of things. In the middle of that, I go, why the heck don't I just go buy a tri-tip at the store? Because at the end of the day, when I'm digging in, and then I get back, and then I process it all myself. We cut up all our meat and things. We have a lot of freezers filled with wild meat, so we go harvest all our own game. We do all that stuff. And so we cut it all up ourselves, and we do all that. And by the time we eat it, though, I don't care how tough it is or how gamey it is. It's the best meat I've ever tasted in my life. Why? Because we worked for it. And as men, there's something within us that wants to get to that point instead of just pushing the easy button and have DoorDash deliver a Big Mac to your porch. My son does DoorDash, and he's telling me about it. He's in college, so it's a great college job, right? And he tells me, and he's like, Dad, I buy people a couple of hamburgers, and they pay me more to go deliver it to them than like the burgers cost. And I'm driving in these neighborhoods, and I just don't think it's very financially smart. I'm like, you're a bright child. <laughs> Remember this. Because as men, we like to put work into things, because easier doesn't always mean better. You know, when Jesus gathered together his disciples to give him the pep talks, he didn't just tell them to be strong and courageous. He didn't just say, you know, he said, yeah, love your neighbors yourself. And he talked to them about different things. And when he, for instance, brought them up to the Mount, uh, uh, the, the Beatitudes in, in uh, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, right along the shore of the Sea of Galilee there on the mountain, he brought them together and he said, yeah, blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are the poor in spirit and all those things. But then in verse 10 and 12, he says this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
And this is when the crowds probably started to drop, when his church probably became a little less popular. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wait, what happened to straight paths? He's calling his disciples and getting followers and say, man, blessed are you when people are going to insult you and put you down and persecute you and say false things about you. A few chapters later, Matthew 10, he's sending out his disciples. Talk about a great motivational speech. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. They're like, wait a minute. No, I don't want to do that, right? Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to local councils. You'll be flogged in the synagogues. Brother will betray brother to death. A father is child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You'll be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. These are different motivational speeches, but that's because Jesus wanted the best for them and knew that sometimes the best isn't always the easiest. You know, some of you guys might be frugal and you like to save money, and so you ever bought the imitation thing, the cheap thing, the knockoff thing, and later regretted it? I have, right? I remember being in college and there was a guy selling uh, car stereos on the street corner. And I thought, man, that's a really good deal. And I'll be the coolest kid at college. So I bought it, and it ended up smoking and lighting a fire in my car. So I went back like the next week to go return it. The guy wasn't on the street corner. Unbelievable, right? We've all done that where we try to go for something easy, and we try to go for something cheap, but it doesn't last. That's why Jesus said also in Matthew chapter 7 in the Beatitudes, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had the foundation on the rock. Jesus is into long-term. Do you get this? He's not into short-term happiness. He's into long-term, but he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house in the sand, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is into long-term ROI, to use a business term, a long-term return on investment, if you would. He's looking at eternity. He's looking at forever. He's looking at your kids and your grandkids and the legacy and foundation you're going to do, not just making you happy this next year. But man, we're so short-sighted, don't we? And the problems of this week and paying the mortgage bill and dealing with my rebellious child or whatever those things are, we see here. And it's at those moments that we just need to trust in the Lord with all our heart. He will make our paths straight. It may not be the paths we want it right then. But in the end, when all is said and done, there are promises throughout Scripture, and I believe them wholeheartedly, that it is what is best and what is glorifying to God. You know, here's, here's the thing. When we take the shortcut, when we go after cheap imitation stuff, there's a few things about it. We just chase for the, the, the quick little win, and we, and we do those things. No, number one, here's the thing you can know about cheap imitation stuff. When we just go and try for the easy win or the conveniences, number one, it, it never really costs you much. Did you ever realize, like, bad-for-you food is always cheaper than good-for-you food? It just seems like kind of everything, everything that kind of, it, it's just kind of life, isn't it? We can go through and it never really costs us much. 
On the internet, cheap stuff is a click away, and I'm not talking about just buying stuff. I'm talking about the stuff that sometimes us men go and look at, and it's so easy, and it's so cheap, and it seems to not cost you much up front. Second thing, though, about cheap stuff is it doesn't last. We go after that a few clicks away on the mouse button, or we go after taking the easy way out, or we think we can cheat on our whatever, some sort of finances or taxes, or we can, you know, go after a relationship and just do something. We think we're only cheating just a little bit, and we're kind of only doing a little thing, but it doesn't last. It brings about regrets. You ever been to Mexico and bought the cheap imitation sunglasses or the cheap imitation whatever? You know, it says Oakley on the side. But by the time you get across the border, the lenses aren't in the frame anymore. One time, my son, he bought like little action figures and we were down there on a mission trip and he was like five. By the time we got across the border, he was fully dismembered. Right? Made overseas for like four cents. It didn't last. But yet sometimes it's so alluring, just like those fish out there chasing some of your lures, Right? For the moment, it seems so good till that fish gets hooked on and that thing starts flopping. And it's like, yeah, probably not a good long-term decision. But he's hungry at that moment and you guys are suckering him into it. But man, sometimes we're as dumb as those fish out in that lake, aren't we? No offense. But I'm in there with you guys. Mark 8.36 says this, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? You know, the other thing about cheap stuff is it doesn't have a guarantee. I, I can't go take those action figures back to Mexico. I can't go back to the street at college and take something back. It's got no guarantee. Do you know Scripture has guarantees throughout the whole thing? You know, there are promises throughout Scripture. Now, some of them are hard, like John 16, that says, In this life, you will have tri- troubles. You will have tribulation. You will have problems. But then he does another one. As he does another promise, he says, But take heart. I have overcome the world. Some of the, some of the passages are tough, but some of them, there's promises. 1 John 1, 9 is a promise. It's a guarantee. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not maybe, not sort of, not kind of, not depending on what mood God is in. You will be saved. These are guaranteed. It may not be the easiest, but it will be the best. But remember last night we talked about feelings for a moment. And those feelings kind of sidetrack us because in the moment we can get trapped in our feelings and we can want the easy and we can want the convenient. And maybe at home right now and back down wherever, whatever city you're from, you're living in that and those things are there every day. But I've seen more people walk away from the church and from their faith, basing their life off of feelings and convenience and taking the easy way out almost anything else. I was a youth pastor for 14 years, and it grieves me to see some of those young people that at some certain point in their life had been surrendered to Christ and making these decisions, and it seems like this trust in the Lord, their God, with all their heart. And We've seen people, and there are probably many of them in this room, who have strayed and walked away and not gone down that path because they couldn't make it 
through the tough part. They could hear last night's message, go be strong, courageous, yeah. But then when the battle gets tough, as the Spider-Man slide said, when we endure the things that Jesus talked about and the fire gets tough, we run and we bounce. And it's not popular. Maybe culture is pushing back on it so hard and so we, we, we can't endure it seemingly and so we walk away. But here's the thing about feelings. Feelings fade with time. Feelings come and go, but the word of the Lord stands forever. It's timeless. God's looking at the long term, and yet every day we get up, and sometimes it's about how do I please myself, and how do I take the easy way out? And sometimes it means doing hard things. And sometimes it means following through on commitments and promises, and doing what's right no matter what. You know, there's a difference between boys and men a lot of time, right? Boys tend to kind of run when the going gets tough. But as we get older, we realize if we do that every time, it makes a mess of our lives. It's interesting because as kids, we're taught if there's pain that we run, right? Don't touch the hot pot on the stove. Your mom tells you because you're going to burn yourself. Don't touch the fire because it's going to burn yourself. So we ingrain in us that pain is bad. And I'm not trying to be some like self-inflicting, like whatever. I'm not trying to be all weird here. But at the same time, we know in James it says that our trials refine us. That if we persevere through those things, that we come out the other side stronger. But if we learn and condition ourselves to run every time something gets hard, we'll make a miserable life of ourselves. Like my kids. Remember when they were young, they were always wanting new stuff, right? Kids want puppies. Kids want chickens. Kids want the new thing. They want a trampoline in the backyard. Kids want everything, right? And then what happens? Pretty much all that stuff like it ends up at the thrift shop or the dump, right? How I many of you guys have hauled off your kids trampoline to the dump? But it was the coolest thing they'd ever seen, right? Or they want that puppy, and they, they, they're so passionate about that puppy, and they say they're going to take care of it, they're going to pick up their poop every day, and they're going to train it and all that kind of stuff. And then what happens a few months later? Who's doing all the work, right? Dad, mom. Kid's on to something else, wants a scooter, Right, But that's kids, and that's the difference. As we get older in life, like we realize, wait a minute, when we commit to something, then we follow through. And so if you've committed to a woman and stood before the Lord and said vows and said, till death do you part, and you're in the midst of that relationship right now, but it's really hard, don't run and don't flee. God wants us to stand strong and to make it through those things. Back to the Sermon on the Mount. I'm jumping all around Matthew. That's why I didn't have you turn everywhere. Matthew chapter 7, in the midst of that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Because easier isn't always better. The straight path that God may have a line for you, we look at and we think, okay, that means easy. We don't know what's going to be on that path. We don't know what struggle or what trial is going to lay ahead of us. You know, last night we talked about fears. And if I were to say one of the biggest fears of my life, I have a fear of regret. It's hard to make decisions sometimes. Why? Because we fear that we might make the wrong decision and have a regret. Any of you guys have any regrets in your life? You look back and say, I wish I'd have made a different decision. 
when faced with some big decision in your life. I live in a fear of regret. And, and, and yet, I think there can be a healthy thing that can come from that because then as you make a decision, you make it based on the long term because when we make it based on the short term, a lot of times that does lead to regrets. And we can live in our regrets, but that really doesn't help us. To look in the past and say, why, why did I do this? Why did I get in this relationship? Why did I take this job? Why did I turn my back on this person? Why did I do this? Whatever it is, we can look back. Or from that moment forward, we can learn from those things. Because we're talking eternity here, guys. We're talking there are choices that we make that last forever. Most of which are the things that we're talking about here, what we do with Jesus Christ and with these claims and who he says he is and this narrow road and wide road and following him. No man can win every battle, but no man should fall without a struggle. And there are going to be struggles and there are going to be hard things that you're going to head back to. Last night I shared a story about the young man who had cancer and... uh, not to close every message with a downer, but I'm going to share a story about another guy who had cancer. Wasn't a kid. He's a guy in his 50s, a guy by the name of Dan Owens, and he's a good friend of mine. And Dan was an evangelist, and he went around the world like for a living, and he just preached the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what he did for a living. He just went and told people that uh, we have a good God, and we're full of sin, and uh, made a mess of our lives. But uh, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to come and died and rose again, paid the price for our sins, and... He's offering you forgiveness. And uh, just he preached that message, just what he did. And I ended up going to Africa with him three times, South America a couple times, like went on these things just to talk to people. And we loved people. He did a lot of humanitarian stuff, had this mission organization. But he was like singly focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like that's what drove him. Was the, in fact, the name of his ministry was called Eternity Minded Ministries. Because he just knew every day I can get up and I can focus on the here and now. And so he named his ministry Eternity Mind Ministry because every day he wanted to get up. And it talks about it in Colossians chapter 3 where it says, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Man, I'd say 97% of my day I'm thinking about earthly things. How about you? And so Dan did that. Well, Dan ended up getting a lung deal and some cancer in his 50s. And he was going around preaching and, and doing different things. And... Um, Unfortunately, uh, it took his life um, at, at fairly early age, certainly not as early as the young man we talked about last night. And, uh, you know, I did kind of a lot of preaching with him and different things, and I dug up an email that, that he'd sent me a week before he died. And, uh, you know, when you think about straight paths and you think about the end of your life and you, you look towards that, I'm like, hey, this is a guy that's kind of down, like, what would he tell me in an email? And I went back and searched for it recently, and our conversation, I was looking at some email conversations. It was actually hard for him to talk at the time because he had lung stuff going on. And, and uh, I think I was telling him I was off somewhere to speak or something like that in the midst of this email conversation that I had with him. And uh, I'm just going to read you a paragraph. This is the last paragraph I had from him. He said, Adam, you bless me. I confess there are times, even days, when I get discouraged. Not because I have cancer, but because I cannot speak about it and how the Lord uses it. I preached once last year and had a problem with breathing, but I did make it through two services. Now being on oxygen, it's work just to hold a conversation, and that just rips me up. I want to speak his praise. I want to tell people they can know God 
in his amazing son. I want to tell people how to live in the midst of suffering that is all around them. Then I think of how many times I complained because I had, in quotes, to go speak somewhere when I was tired. Oh, Lord, I would take those days back in a heartbeat. So it's always uplifting to know that I touch someone's life like yours that can keep on telling the story of God's salvation. Don't stop, Adam. The gift of speaking is first and foremost a gift that God himself has given to you, so be wise with it. It's a guy at the end of his life. What matters to him at that moment? He's like, if I could go stand up on a stage one more time and open God's word, I'd do anything to do it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. And I promise you, it will be better, but it's probably not gonna be easier. Amen? That's my word for today. Let's pray. God, just uh, thanks again for time in your word this morning. I know as I'm talking about trials and struggles, there's a few hundred trials and struggles probably represented in this room. And I don't mean to take them lightly. So God, I pray maybe even as these guys are out on the lake today and doing activities, that maybe some are stressed about what they're heading back to, the stresses of life. God, I know that there's no greater peace than knowing you. God, I pray that if there's any man in this room who doesn't know you and who's trusting in themselves, trying to make their straight paths themselves, leaning on their own understanding, that this weekend that they would submit and surrender their life to you. God, we know that you love us. God, we know that you have what is best in mind for us. And so we submit our will to yours. And all God's men said, amen. amen.